Hi, welcome to Eurocron. I'm your host, Scott Pitney. Eurocron is a podcast where we chronicle extraordinary people and their extraordinary stories. Our goal is simple, entertain, inspire, educate, and at times humor our audience while our guests build their audio legacy. So let's get right to our next extraordinary story. Melanie Saxton is a book editor, ghostwriter, contributing editor for five magazines, former editor-in-chief for two magazines, and a copy editor for national and international businesses. She's always worked in the world of words and pursued an English degree in the process. Now, the interesting thing about Melanie's academic adventures is that it took her 29 years to earn that degree. She enrolled at University of Houston in 1980 and received her diploma in 2009. Yes, 29 years, holy smokes. Then in her 50s, she was accepted into the master's program at Sam Houston State University and is pursuing a much later in life graduate degree in digital media. The bottom line message from Melanie, Be a lifelong learner. You're never too old to go to college. Take one class a semester. Take classes online. Pay as you go and persevere until you achieve your goal. Melanie, welcome to Eurocron and happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Yes, this is a great birthday. I get to be on your podcast. And I just apologize in advance. I, I work from home, so... I have a puppy, and he may weigh in. <laughs> we we, we have, may hear, yeah, we may hear him in the background. No, that's quite all right. We have had dogs on the podcast before. My my dog <laughs> Dutch has been, has been on the podcast, so it's quite all right. Uh, but anyway, it is an honor to have you join me on your birthday, especially. How's your day been uh-huh. so far? Pardon me, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I I said, how has your day been so far? Oh, it's been really great. It's uh. Oh gosh, I, I've been up since five and just I have a lot of assignments and a lot of work and, you know, thank God for that. It's yeah. good to be busy. Yeah. Well, good. Where is a good place to start your extraordinary story? <laughs> well, uh, probably uh, talking about the degree. I, I just think it's so important that people realize, you know, just because you're in your 40s or your 50s doesn't mean you can't complete that degree. And with me, um, you know, I loved English. I was a geeky English girl in high school and took advanced classes. And, you know, with all the nerds, there were like four of us that actually took those classes. But um, a business teacher said, why would you get an English degree? Why go to college for an English degree? All you can do is teach. And I was like, oh, and I'm not called to teach, I'm called to write. And it actually really discouraged me. Um, I went to University of Houston for one semester. I was so overwhelmed. Uh, I was taking business classes and hated it and was offered a job as a secretary. I was 18 years old in Houston, Texas, and I just, I dropped out and I took the job and worked for a couple of years on my own. Um, nothing like Mary Tyler Moore in New York. No, no, no. <laughs> Working as an 18 year old in Houston, Texas on your own was nothing like that. So I moved back home and went to junior college and still was taking those business classes. Um, got the associate's degree. Uh, you know, went back to corporate America, didn't seem to need a four-year degree, honestly. All the jobs I took um, basically segued into management. They all had a writing component or I just, I made that happen. It's like, oh yeah, we need employee manuals or we need this or we need that. We need somebody to correspond with, you know, angry consumers or whatever. Um, So I would just always weave that in. And after a while, I thought, well, heck, why don't I just get the English degree? I, I just want it. So that's uh, what I did just, you know, here and there. Um, worked at the Galleria, drove to Huntsville because um, Sam Houston offered the night courses that I needed. I mean, that's a huge commute. And I did 
couple couple days a week, couple nights a week, and um, just slowly but surely kind of worked my way through. Um, and then, uh, gosh, I was a mom going through a divorce when I finally decided to knock out those extra. Uh, I probably had a year left, extra, you know, semesters. Um, and just went back to U of H and they were full. They're like, nope, we can't take you. And I'm like, what? And they looked and they said, hey, you went here in 1980. So you're already an established student. So yes, you're you're in. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I just worked as a single mom. Um, just, you know, took one class at a time, paid for it one class at a time, worked my way through it. My My daughter, my only child watched me do this. And I thought, wow, this is a great, great life lesson for her that her old mom can, you know, buckle up and and finish college. Uh, and so now she's in college herself. She's in, she's going to college in New York, and I <laughs> work in college together because I'm working on my master's now. So um, you know, it just it's a matter of just hang in there, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. If you get discouraged, that's okay. You can turn it around and and just pursue it. You don't have to go into debt. Pay for it one semester at a time. Take one class at a time. Um, take classes online so you can work on your, you know, courses at lunch or while you're folding laundry or whatever. Um, it is possible to graduate. So, I I think in the introduction, Melanie a lot of excuses for not pursuing a degree for people who want to pursue a degree were squashed. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. what personally drove you through that 29-year process? Was there an underlying theme or were there different things that, that kept driving? I mean, 29 years. That's, yeah, 29 years yeah. to get a degree. Yeah. Well, um, I would I just have to say that you know, as a little girl, my favorite toys were refrigerator magnets. And I would just sit there and try to make sense. I was like very, very little, like three years old back in the days where they didn't have preschool and stuff. And I'd sit there and try to make sense of those alphabet letters. And I do the same thing today behind a keyboard. Um, it's just something that I've always been um, called to do is to, to read, to write, um, once I got my degree, even though I wasn't called to teach, my parents never really thought that writing was a, a real profession. <laughs> so, um, and I thought, you know, I'll just get my teaching certification to make them happy. And so I did, and it was thousands and thousands, maybe five, $6,000 to get my certification. Um, and so I certified in English language arts, uh, ESL, which is English as a second language, and uh, also for special education. And I tried it and I just, it was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, no, 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 I don't belong in a classroom. Maybe in a classroom for um, the advanced English kids like I was, maybe, maybe that would work. But um, no, I went right back to writing. I think by now, since I've been writing, you know, honestly, uh, even as a sideline business, I've been editing books and ghostwriting books for people and um, working in magazines for, you know, gosh, decades, what, 30 years now. So I think by now my parents are, um, uh, they're okay. They're convinced <laughs> they're okay that it is, their, it's yeah, a legitimate okay my, career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they know it's, uh, yeah, I think they were just worried, you know, how how is our daughter going to make a living doing sure. this? And and not all not all writers do make a living, and I, you know, that's on them because there's a lot of writing disciplines, and you can do it all. You can learn to, you know, optimize websites and do web copy. You just have to get trained in search engine optimization. You can do the press releases and the newsletters for people. You can blog, um, and there's a a system to blogging to make it very effective um, so that you're feeding the search engines for your clients. Um, and you, you know, you can edit books, you can write books, you can write for magazines, and you can even do a little news reporting, which I've done before. So if you really, really love words and you really, really wanted an English degree because you were meant to write, then explore it all. Um, one thing I haven't done is 
um, court reporting, which is another type of writing, uh, completely different. And I've been very interested in that too. Um, and also the closed captioning um, for the hearing impaired, there's certain uh, courses that you can take for that. Um, if you see closed captioning on your television, on a movie or something on Netflix, that's the same type of um, programming or the same type of uh, equipment that's used. So I still have things that I wanna do and things that I wanna learn as a writer. And, uh, but, and you can be successful as a writer. You just have to be willing to you know, open yourself up for other people's needs. I mean, who needs you? What needs to be done? Um, you know, just go out and find the opportunities, make yourself available and demonstrate that you're good at what you do. Uh, and you can make a living as a writer, a good living as a writer. What advice do you have for someone wanting to get into the writing business, wanting to, you've given several ex really good examples that I would never have thought of, of professions that you can, you can seek being a writer. What recommendations would you give those folks about breaking into the business? Well, I'm, I would just have to say, um, you know, it's like if you if you have a fire in your belly and you are a writer and it's just it's you can't even you can't deny it. It's just what you are. You're just called to do that. Then um, you you will if you're responsible for your own career, you're responsible for your own success and you have to open yourself up and, you know, ask questions. Uh, you know what, pick up a magazine and just flip to the front matter, you know, the front part of it and take a look at who's the editor and who are the contributing editors and, and who's the associate editors and the publishers. Start feeling that out. Um, if you want to write for magazines, then, you know, research it. Um, that's what I did. I, I wanted to write for magazines. I think it's exciting and, and it's fun and it's, um, you know, community oriented and um, you get to interview fabulous people just the most incredible people but what you have to do is figure out the magazine take a look at the the feel of the magazine the aesthetics of the magazine the tone of the magazine and then you can approach the editor and say you know hey i'm a writer and i love your magazine i want to write for you and they may say, okay, well, you can write on spec, send in one spec article. And if we publish it, then you're in. And if we don't, then, you know, good luck. Uh, and you can do that as well. So uh, that's what I did. You just, you know, you have to believe in yourself and you have to um, believe that you are of service to others. Uh, that's what writing, a lot of the writing opportunities are about. How can you help other people? Um, uh, in my digital media degree, the graduate degree that I'm pursuing right now, a lot of what I'm taking is in advertising, marketing, communications, um, and, you know, ad copy. People need that. Uh, they struggle writing ad copy that's really effective and their marketing and their social media and all of that. Um, you know, get good at that. Go f Google it. Figure it out. Um, understand it. Practice it. Uh, see what kind of compelling ad copy you can write. What kind of marketing can you write that's better than what you're seeing online? And then you can take that. And even if you don't have a big portfolio, you can say, hey, you know, I have a couple ideas for you that I'd like to, you know, bounce off of you. And I'll, I'll give you some of it. Um, and I'll give you the rest of it if you hire me. Mm, interesting. I would imagine yeah. in, in, in your career, there were some uh, really memorable highlights. Of course, getting your, your undergrad after 29 years is certainly one uh, I would think that would stand out. And probably, I'm guessing, the first time you published something, the first time you actually got paid for publishing something. Can <laughs> oh, you yeah. sort of compare oh, those gosh. moments, what those were like? I, I remember getting the check in the mail and my hand shook as I opened the envelope because I had always written, um, you know, I'd even written for free. I'd written church newsletters, eulogies, obituaries, just to help people and just to practice the art of writing in any way that I could. Um, but I remember the first magazine assignment and I, my hand shook as I opened the envelope and I saw my paycheck and I was like, oh, 
oh my gosh and i drove over to my sister's house and i showed her and my brother-in-law and I, we were all jumping up and down and squealing because it was like <laughs> this is so cool this is this is a real foot in the door and this was this is the start of the magazine part of my career and um yeah and it just grew from uh you know being a writer and reporting to an editor and those editors can be really really tough okay well listen to them listen to them pay attention follow instructions give them what they want um and then all of a sudden you'll be a contributing editor yourself or an editor-in-chief or this or that because people know, will know that you understand like either the um the formal style that they're going for or the house style that may be a blend of different you know apa or uh you know do whatever whatever type of um style guide they use in their magazine uh, understand understand what they're going for mm -hmm. and deliver that to them mm. um yeah, it, yeah that was a that was a big big moment um the first book that i ghost wrote for someone and by the way ghostwriting <laughs> a lot of people are like oh i love scary stories no 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 <laughs> ghostwriting means you write anonymously for a client and you're not mentioned and they're credited as the author they have a great story and have no idea how to tell it or they're not writers so they hire you to do that for them mm. and i remember my first ghostwriting um book uh was back in 1990 that was a that was a big milestone as well it's like wow somebody trusts me with their life story this is this is amazing mm. yeah Melanie, why did it take 29 years to earn your bachelor's degree? Well, I mean, a, a lot of it was, I just, I had that thing in the back of my head from that business teacher. Uh -huh. Why, you know, why would you get an English degree? It's worthless, basically, is what she was implying. And I had that ringing around in my head. Plus, I just had raw talent, so I could go out and accomplish things that other people did with a good degree so um but also i, I didn't have parents I, I love my parents they're great um they're wonderful but i did not get uh, you know help for a four-year college degree so they did help some with the associate's degree uh you know in uh, just junior college but it was on me to do this and i am a stubborn girl i am a frugal girl i'm very careful with my money and what i do with it and there was just no way i was going to take out student loans absolutely not so that meant that okay i'm going to school on a cash basis and sometimes when you have rent and electricity and and or, or you know a mortgage or you have animals who need vaccinations life gets in the way and and um so I couldn't go every single semester, but I but I still went. You uh -huh. know, I still pursued it. I saved my money. I paid cash semester by semester by semester, and um, yeah, that's and I'm doing the same thing with my master's degree. One semester, um, you know, one class a semester, cash and no student loans. So um, yeah, I probably could have got through a lot quicker if I did student loans. I just didn't want to do student loans. Yeah, go debt free. You mentioned the master's degree. I would yeah. imagine. I would imagine uh, twenty nine years to get your undergrad. I would have said personally. I would have said, "Wow, that was fun. I'm glad that's over with." But not Melanie Saxton. You decided <laughs> to pursue a master's degree. What made you decide to pursue a master's degree, Melanie? Honestly. I really, really wanted my daughter to, I wanted to put the bug in her head because not only do I want her to get her bachelor's degree, I want her to get a master's degree. And um, so I thought, well, what is the best way to teach a child? Sometimes it's just leading by example because mm -hmm. now she can't say, oh, mom, no, I'm sick of school and da, da, da. No, I'm just exhausted and I don't want to, I just don't want to do it. It's like, well, Em, if I can do this in my fifties, then you, you know, <laughs> come on, Emily, you can do that. Sure. Uh, you know, in your twenties. 
So um, I'm just hoping that it was a, a good prompt. I mean, I don't need this master's degree uh, at all, but mm. I will be the first person in my immediate family to get a master's degree. Mm-hmm. So out of my siblings and, you know, my parents, and I think I have one cousin who has a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of significant as well. It, within my immediate family, especially just to um, demonstrate that, yeah, come on guys. If you want it, you can do it. It's, it's, yeah, it's hard work, but, um, yeah, it's worth it. And honestly, I really kind of feel like this master's degree, I'm about 21 hours in, um, is more valuable, even though I don't need it, it's more valuable to me than the bachelor's degree. How so? Because I already knew a lot about English. I had already, Uh you know, um, self-directed study, a lot of, um, uh, you know, just and, and and like I said, raw talent, I just kind of knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, digital media, wow, it's a, it's a whole different animal, and it's really elevated, I think, my game as far as um, knowing what I'm talking about. You know, what is the what are digital media ethics and, and law? I just mm. finished that course, you know, just, just now turned in a term paper on, uh, in that subject. Uh, it's very important to understand what intellectual property is and copyright and, um, things that my authors need. So, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I am, uh, more of a, I'm more of a valuable type of team player with my clients because I, I just know more. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Explain a little bit, if you would, uh, a little bit more what a degree in digital media is exactly. Well, um, it's actually kind of a two-pronged degree. You can either go the thesis route or you can go the production route. Uh-huh. Well, I'm not a video editor, and I, you know, I didn't take all of that uh, in, uh, you know, uh, in my bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. So for me to jump into production would have been, wow, wow, that would have just been way over my head, but going the thesis route and studying the theory of digital media and the, uh, not producing videos or television or anything like that, but going into, um, again, the ad copy, the marketing the communications, mm-hmm. um, things like that, uh, pursuing a certi- uh, certification in um, healthcare advertising and PR. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to do that and kind of use the same classes to achieve the same goal um, so that if I ever did uh, consult with a hospital district or something like that, um, I have that certification so I'm highly qualified to do their communications and especially their emergency management, um, working with FEMA, um, you know, if we ever had a Hurricane Harvey again, something like that, is to be able to put out the, you know, a broadcast, to put out the public information that's, you know, really needed during a crisis. Uh-huh. So that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll be right back. We are very excited to have a new sponsor at Yorkron. Luxury men's clothing lines Thaddeus and Tad are now combined on one website. They belong to the same family. They share DNA. Might as well have their clothes all in the same place too. Both brands are typically sold at Nordstrom's, Bergdorf's, and unique upscale boutiques. But you can find them online at ThaddeusandTad.com. Thaddeus, the uncle, is a collection of sportswear for the man who always arrives well-dressed, but sometimes breaks the rules. Quality fabrics are important, but so are comfort, fit, and details. Some of the pieces are washed and weathered, others more crisp. Thaddeus is designed for the man who is current and comfortable in his own skin. Tad, the younger nephew, is more rugged, more washed and weathered, but willing to learn from the past. Tad is the nephew of Thaddeus, sharing the same namesake and DNA, but interpreted for a new generation of sportswear. Tad is more casual, suggesting a more worn-in, easy look. The fit is slightly slimmer and trimmer. Tad fits the mind and body of a man who wants to put his own stamp on the traditions 
he has inherited. For menswear that is a tad dressy and a tad disheveled, shop online at ThaddeusandTad.com. is a copy editor well a copy editor is someone who goes up and and just cleans up messes um copy editors use i mean yes we 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 do write copy we we create copy but most of the time at least in my experience we go in and we take a look at um someone's uh like a white paper or uh we take a look at a website or a press release or you know web content blogs and we go in and we just you know, clean it up, we perfect it, we improve it, enhance it. Uh, It's so much more than just correcting grammar and punctuation. It's really making the most of every single word. It's like make that copy, you know, make it pop. and depending on the organization, if it's a, a very formal organization, that's one thing. If it's a fun upcoming, you know, startup, that's another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just kind of customize, edit, customize, create um, the most compelling copy that we can. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, you mentioned the magazine business earlier, and, you know, I think of... Um, media is like the magazine business, the news business, that kind of stuff. You know, what's portrayed on TV shows. You mentioned Mary Tyler Moore earlier. You know, I just, I see people kind of standing at their desks, stressed out, phone corbs wrapped around them, you know, yelling and, you know, taking notes and all this stuff. What is it? What is the magazine business like really in general? Well, um, it depends what type of magazine that you're working for. And if you're with, like I was, um, you know, mine were the, the Lifestyles and Homes magazines with Fort Bend Publishing. So it was uh, Houston Lifestyles and Homes, Katie Lifestyles and Homes, Fort Bend, Cypher, and the Woodlands Lifestyles and Homes. And then also editor-in-chief for Katie Christian Magazine and uh, Fort Bend Christian Magazine. So... These are community publications, uh, no, you know, hard gotcha type of stories or anything like that. Just uplifting, community oriented Uh and celebrity oriented as well. Um, And so, yeah, it's just a matter of um, a lot of times I would just go find the story and then I would pitch it to my boss, my editor. And she would say, she'd say yes or no, like go get them or I'm not interested. Hmm. Um, a lot of people assume they're like, Hey, I have a great story for you. And it's like, okay, well, I'll have to bounce that off my editor. Uh I couldn't just go and pick the stories. I'd have to find good, what I thought were good stories, bounce them off my editor and see if she would say yes. Uh So, uh, or I'd get assignments. She would assign me this, assign me that. And I'd go and I'd chase the story and, and, you know, write it and, and, uh, turn it in. Uh So, um, I think probably my favorite, you know, since George uh, George Bush just, you know, passed away, George Bush uh, Sr., uh-huh. it, it really took me back to when I interviewed First Lady Barbara Bush oh. and how fun that was. And, yeah, I it was just it was just great. It was wonderful um, talking about her foundation and her love of reading, her love of literacy and uh, and just her, you know, she has such a great sense of humor. And mm. She's also very direct, almost like, you know, sit up and sit up straight. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, uh, mind your manner, sit up straight. Um, Interesting. She's just that type of uh, personality, mm-hmm. um, kind of motherly and, and um and she'd speak so fondly, but with such a sense of humor about her husband. Um, and, you know, they both died in 2018. Uh-huh. And I've seen the memes out there, you know, them together with their little daughter that they lost um, to uh, leukemia, I believe, when she was four. Uh-huh. And you see all these things floating around. It's kind of touching. Sure. So, uh, you know, in my little book of treasures, you know, things that I store up in my heart, I look back at that 
interview. And, uh, you know, Lyle Lovett, AJ Foyt, George Foreman. Um, and then the news anchors. I've had such fun interviewing Dominic Soxa and Gina Gaston, but also Frank Billingsley. And actually, I, I'm uh, the editor for one of the editors for his books. I was his first editor. And then uh, he went to a publishing house and it went through another edit. But he's like, Melanie, you're in there. You're my first editor. And uh, <laughs> that was kind of cool, too. And he's just a wonderful uh, meteor- meteorologist and uh, chief weather guy. And his book was about his adoption journey. He was he had a closed adoption. And his book is fascinating. Uh, it really is. It's called Swabbed and Found. And he's just so funny. And, you know, that when you're talking about chromosomes <laughs> and you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, genetic stuff it's like wow that could get boring really quickly but he he really had a, a good flair and a good way of uh, sharing that information so I enjoyed his adoption journey very much well I'd like to uh, inject a quick personal story since you brought it up and I'm glad you did um, as you and I have, have talked about before I was adopted and just I'd heard uh, I follow a lot of the Houston media on Twitter as well and social media Instagram whatever and uh, saw that he had written a book Swabbed and Found I had no idea that he was adopted and I was adopted and, and I love those stories so I bought the book it was a great book I mean it was it's really like you say it's much more than the science there's there's a really cool story in that yeah, book and then a, you and I are chatting story. about it and and you edited that book. I was like, wow, what a small world. It is a small world, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Yeah. 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 And so. yeah, it's uh it's a very uh encouraging book. You know, not not all, of course, um, finding your birth parents' stories uh, in that way or or are that uplifting, but his certainly was and, and is certainly interesting. But you did a great job on that book. That really is a, is a fun, <laughs> well, fun thank reading. Thank you. I had great, great, uh, you know, I had great content to work with and uh, really enjoyed Frank. I really do. He's actually, he just posted on my Facebook, happy birthday, Melanie. That's so, so sweet. <laughs> so sweet yeah um, but yeah and then you know there's other really cool people that i've interviewed like jim crane uh you know owner of the astros and then victoria osteen and frank bialik of trading spaces and uh you know i interviewed him when trading spaces was over uh-huh. it had been over for a while and it's so fun to see him on the new i don't know if you know but trading spaces is back on the air and so we have Frank again wow. on a, you know, on TLC. It's really cool. That's great. I did not know that. Yeah. And then I think one of the um, most profound interviews I did was with Peter Ramsey. And he was the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, the movie, you know, yeah. the kind of Christmas movie. It had Alec Baldwin in it and mm-hmm. uh, an animated movie. Mm-hmm. And he was the first uh, African-American director in Hollywood to um, take on that kind of a, a movie and it was wonderful speaking to him um, and speaking with him listening to him and what an incredible journey and what a I mean I can see why he's a successful movie director because he's just so sweet so down to earth so approachable not you know you get in your head oh my gosh i wonder if they're snooty i wonder if they're obnoxious i wonder if they're full of themselves you know when you think about hollywood it's not like that at all um he was just wonderful and uh well speaking of movies this past summer i had the opportunity to substitute a core course in my master's degree because john mclaughlin who's a hollywood scriptwriter um, was offering a scriptwriting course at sam houston state university where i'm going mm. um and you know he directed black swan and hitchcock mm. and i'm like uh, heck yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be glad to take his course. You betcha. I was gonna take the summer off, and I'm like, uh, no, I'm gonna. This is this is such a great opportunity. 
And what I did was adapt one of my own books, which um, it's actually being formatted. In, uh, there's two of them, actually. And they're being formatted and getting ready for publishing right now. And I was able to adapt one to a screenplay. Oh. And it was so cool because after the class was over, um, and I did, I aced it. I, I aced the class, but I actually have a 4.0. Um, uh, you know, a 4.0 for every single class. But he reached out. He said, you know what, Melanie, I think I might want to keep working with you on this script. Wonderful. And I'm like, wow, okay, there you go. It's another writing discipline. Yeah. Um, screenwriting, script writing is harder than writing a book. It really is. It's about 200 pages, about a minute a page, so that it times out um, for the movie theaters. You know, mm. so it's an easy, you know, two-hour show to, you know, two hours, 10 minutes or something. It just makes it easy for the movie theaters, the cinemas to um, schedule everything, schedule all of these different movies and their movie times. And yeah, the, the, the dialogue is, is important, but not as much as the action. And it's actually writing action um, that I thought was so fascinating. So there, there again, you know, it's the lifelong learner, whether you're in school or whether you're in your career, there's just always something to learn. Yeah. Would you, I, I've had a little experience in both. And would you agree that uh, in screenwriting, the one thing I learned when I took screenwriting courses is that I thought this was a real good um, um, lesson that I learned is you have to imagine what they are seeing on the screen and write that into your screenplay, whereas a book, you go into much more detail describing something because you have to create a vision inside the reader's head. And I thought that that comparison really helped me to understand. And then uh, reading screenplays, you know, for for all types of movies uh, that have done well helps a lot, too, because I realized that I was writing way too much description. You know, the, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. basically I, you just want to describe what they're seeing on the screen, which is so much shorter than going into a lot of detail about, you is, know, what a, what a peach a, tastes it's like. It's a whole new discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, thought, I, I hear you. And I'm sitting here going, wow, that I felt the same way. I mean, I learned the same the lesson. It's a it's a whole different discipline. And, uh, you know, the oh, the notions that you had about writing screenplays, toss that out the door yeah. because it's really it's really, really. Um, yeah, it's completely different. Yeah. Um, I went ahead and uh, decided, uh, you know, I've written scripts before, but never at, you know, never at what I feel is an expert level, never with a master's level training. And so I felt like after taking John's course and working with him that I could offer that as a service. So I'm in the middle of writing two screenplays, adapting two books for clients to screenplays, which is a lot of fun. Oh, a that's lot of awesome. fun. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. The, the other takeaway I had from uh, that process too is, and, and then working on the acting and directing and just kind of being a part of the whole thing for a while. Oh yeah. I, I followed you on four. I loved it. Oh, I loved thank four. You. Your, your golf show. That was, it was hilarious. It was so, it was so much fun. <laughs> and I it's pre- like, that's when I actually first, you know, it's like, Oh, so that's Scott Pitney. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Such a great actor. You uh, did, oh my gosh. You did a great job. That's, that's sweet. Well, I didn't bring that up to get a plug, but it, thank you for mentioning it. But I uh, know that the thing that I, I realized too is when you uh, screenwrite something, uh, be prepared for it to just be blown up by directors and actors in a good way. So, uh, you know, the actors are going to make the characters their own and they're going to say things maybe a little different or completely different from what you've written. And directors could, you know, turn the whole thing inside out. You never know. But always remember that the backbone of the story is what you did. So, yeah. 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 yeah and people- <laughs> Don't wonder get why, why the movie is different than the book you know when a movie yeah. is adapted from a book right and point. it gets a little it gets a little dicey when somebody has written their true life story and it's been adapted to a movie and and things have been changed and it's no longer factual and but you know what you kind of you just you know you just as a script writer 
um, you just have to, yeah, you're right. You're right, Scott. You have to kind of relinquish that control. Uh Like you've done your part and then you turn it over and they do whatever they want with that script. Yeah. And, uh, especially if they, especially if they buy it. (laughs) Yeah. That you feel is very essential to the story and then boom, it's gone. Uh And you just have to, you know, be okay with that. Just understand going into it that your script may look completely different once a producer gets a hold of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Going back to uh, books for just a minute, and I asked you about advice for for somebody wanting to get in the writing business, but authors, there's a lot of people that have a book that's been swirling up inside their head and, you know, they're not really sure what to do. Even the first step, if they should have have a ghostwriter, like you mentioned, um, what did what's some general advice you have for authors who who have a desire to write their first book well i would say write it and um, mm. that's what writers do they write they mm-hmm. write every day mm-hmm. and if you get a blog i just blogged on my own website um about writer's block and mm. you know all over the internet there's like advice for writer's block my advice is a little different mine is very tangible um one time i was blocked and i was like so frustrated and I had cut a lemon to put into my tea and just the citrus smell did something to my brain. Mm. And I have used citrus ever since to, um, you know, it's just go and, you know, cut cut a, a, a little tangerine, cut a lemon, cut a lime and um, just sm- smell it. It helped me. And then once, well, this is kind of weird, but I was blocked and um, I was an online editor for an engineering firm and I was so blocked and I went to the ladies room and there's this tile pattern on the wall, which I saw from the mirror and my eyes zeroed in on a certain pattern of these small tiles and it was just like boom something just unblocked so i actually do look at 3d art and tile mosaics and stuff when i get blocked it does something to my brain just like citrus does something to my brain and so be i would just say be self-aware and try to figure out what you can do and it may be completely different than the advice you see, you know, on blogs or whatever. Figure out what works for you. And if, even if you stumble into it, just, you know, believe it and listen to yourself and um, get yourself unblocked. But as far as the first book, you know, oh, gosh, I read an article years ago and it was something like 99.9%. Everybody who ever starts a book never completes it. So it's that 0.01% that of people who actually finish a book that are so extraordinary. Um, those are the people that I admire because they hung in there and they, they battled through and they got their book written. Now, it may not be uh, where, what it needs to be. The book may need to be elevated, um, you know, plot, setting, characterization, dialogue, um, and just general editing, you know, the grammar, punctuation, um, but the fact is, it's, it's a book, so they have a book. And now, just like a surgeon doesn't operate on himself, an author should get an editor, uh, a, you know, a very neutral set of eyes to go over the book and find ways to improve the book. Mm-hmm. So um, even me being an author myself, you can bet I have my books edited independently. Yeah. Yeah. I have an I have an editor that I hire, even though I'm a book editor. Yeah. Um, Interesting. If I was a surgeon, I would not be chopping on my arm. <laughs> and you know, as an author, I've done, of course, my best for my manuscript. But I always send it out and have it edited. Hmm. And I just, uh, I feel like it's a much better product. Um, you know, you have to do this stuff with the reader in mind. They spend their hard-earned money on a book, and you don't want it to be a disappointment. Yeah. So I've had many authors say, but it's a boring story, but it's important to me. And I'm like, well, let's make it not boring. Yeah. Let's, and let's make it important to the reader. Sure. sure. So, uh, yeah, and I just tell people, you know, it's it can be very fun to write a book. It can also be emotional you know he double hockey sticks it can be the most excruciating thing like i have one author now who's like i will never write another book and i'm like why you're such a good writer he goes it's so painful Mm -hmm. it's just been painful i just want to write this one book and i'm like okay but i have a feeling in a couple years you'll you know 
you'll uh, there'll be another book that's percolating inside and 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 it's you know it's time to pour the coffee yeah and he goes we'll see (laughs) so um yeah and as far as writing um i guess the basics of writing um again just take a look at the book elements there's a story arc there's usually we've kind of been trained to see um beginning middle and end um think about that i i do recommend outlines but I tell people, you know, kill two birds with one stone, and why don't you go ahead and make your table of contents your outline? Yeah. Okay, and then follow that through. Yeah. And then you're kind of organized, and you're not all over the place, and it makes sense. Um, and you can do flashbacks, and you can do uh, flash forwards. No, no, Cooper. Um, and, you know, but the thing is, is like, get the story in your head. Um fall in love with your characters uh if it's based on a true life story chances are you're probably changing names and places and locations Mm. so that you don't get sued um you'll have to remove the names of of people because unless they've given you permission some people do give permission yes you can put me in your book otherwise you have to remove the, the names um or just change or just say my friend or something like that sure but um yeah um, think about your characters and what what makes them likable, lovable, what makes them disgusting and you know do you, do you want this person to be the bad guy? Do you want this to be a redemption story? Do you want this to be um, a precautionary tale? Do you want it just to be a really, really good, unusual love story? Um, you know, just what are you going for? what what is the purpose of writing this book? And once you sort out all of that in your mind, it makes a clearer path for writing the story. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. Um, well, Melanie, I can't thank you enough for for being so generous to give up your uh, part of your birthday to come on your con and, and talk about oh, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been talk fun. about your crowd. Oh, it's been a blast and. Uh, um, you know, uh, I, I just want to mention too that I have had the privilege of working with you on a book project currently that, that we're involved with, and it's been it's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, I've really enjoyed the process and look forward to continuing. We're you know getting close to the halfway point, and uh, it's getting exciting. So uh, it's it's a it's a fabulous book. It's absolutely fabulous and and so needed. I mean, when I don't want to give it away, but sure. um, it's uh, it's profound. And it is redemptive. And it's so, uh, gosh, pe- people who are families that are struggling really need to read this book. So um, I cannot wait for it to be finished and to see you roll it out. And because uh, it, it will help you. It's a, it's a book that, um, oh my gosh, it'll help so many families. Yeah. And that's a lot of the purposes, uh, you know, people that are going through uh, what we went through to not feel alone. And, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. So just uh, persevere and uh, yeah, yeah. persevere. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, a thing or two about that, right? 29 years to get your college degree. That is just amazing. So happy to to persevere is a very powerful word, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You, uh, you can't quit. If you keep going, you will, you will finish that book if you don't quit. Right. Yeah. Just one foot, one foot and step of the, you know, in front of the other Uh and just motor on Right. and, you know, just get her done. And I, I tell myself this, I can survive anything for one semester. Yeah. And that's how I get through some of the more difficult courses that, you know, I might be up till four in the morning because I'm juggling my clients and I'm juggling my coursework. And, and it's like, you can do this. You can do anything for one semester. Yeah. And so, yeah, just motor on, be brave, um, believe in, believe in yourself, your projects, your talent, um, if you're weak in an area, admit it and go figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on your cron, we like to end our podcast with a legacy type question. If in a hundred years, maybe extended family and future generations are listening to this recording in some form, 
What do you want them to take away from this recording about you, Melanie, about your work, or just anything in general? I would say, please chronicle your, your life because you're living through an era that will be vastly, vastly different in a hundred years. Um, and you don't want these, you know, memories to be lost to time. So journal and you're a good journaler, Scott, and, and anybody can, can benefit from, you know, journaling, capture the moment, do a diary, do something. And, Someday, your great-grandchildren will be reading that. Either you do a legacy book or some sort of a novel and you incorporate all of this. Um, I just wish my grandparents and my great-grandparents had documented their lives. Um, all we have are our memories, not really theirs. So, yeah, chronicle your life and, um, you know, package it up somehow and, and make that your legacy gift for, you know, your your future families, families that, you know, that spring from you and let them know what it was like in 2018 or to, you know, 1960 when you were born and let, let them know, you know, what was it like being a little kid and watching the first man on the moon? What was that like? Yeah. Uh, what was it like having an uncle in Vietnam and doing crayon drawings and sending them? And then when he got home, because not that they not all of them did but when he got home and he said i got your i got your crayon drawings thank you i shared them with my buddies and and as a little kid when you hear that you're like wow i you know i'm i'm, I'm little but i made a difference so um yeah chronicle those moments mm, great advice melanie saxton thank you so much for being on your cron it was a pleasure enjoy the rest of your birthday Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. And I love your podcast. And we will talk to you later. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you.